I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. I got a question for, well, <clears throat> I got a question for two of you for sure. One of you, maybe. Um, uh, do you guys, do you guys get boners when you wake up? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lauren, I, mean, I got good tea. I'm, so yeah. Uh, I'm glad you <laughs> didn't uh, assume I did not assume. I don't wake up with boners. You didn't get a boner. Okay, well, actually, so I, I think it's it's I think it was probably safe to assume that Brian and Taylor, um, you get boners when you wake up. Uh, I get boners. That's pretty I, normal, I, right? Yeah, I think it's pretty normal. It's like like the term morning wood, and I think I'm not exure, I'm not exactly sure of the science behind it. If you are a physician or you're someone who knows something about anything, uh, send us a letter. Letters specifically sickboypodcast.com if you know the science behind morning boners. But I think it's yeah. it's something to do with like you wake up, the blood flow, I guess, in your body. It's just you know. been pooling. Yeah, yeah, right. It's been pooling. It's now starting <laughs> pooling to move. in your dick all night. And and then it moved. No, it wouldn't be pooling in your dick. It's move it's it's pooling elsewhere. And then you wake up and then no, it, it's pooling. And then it goes to your penis, because that's what a boner is. It's Real fast. So fast. It happens so fast yeah. then. And so and so that's I think, you know, I, I guess that's how morning boners work. I really don't know. But Lauren, I you why know, don't you give me your your why don't you tell, let us know like your best theory? On why my best theory, my best theory is that you is that you know what? I really have no idea. I don't know. I have an idea. What? Let's 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 hear it. Please, woman, explain this to me, Lauren, of why I get why I get boners in the morning. Because it's your dick like pointing you out of the bed. It's like your dick's like, okay, time to go. (laughs) Time to get up. That could very well. I I actually get up. Get up. I was. If I was going to guess, I would say that it's um, like an energy storage thing. So you're fully replenished. And so like you have so much energy just like running through your body. It's ready to go and get the day started that like it just like part of it is in your dick. We're you know, so, you so, carry like right. a little bit of energy right in the right. tip of your penis. So if you and it's like, right. <laughs> I guess so if you I guess don't have a boner the in the morning. It's like stay in bed. You're like if you don't have right, a boner when yeah. you wake up, it's like sleep longer. You're not fully charged. Yeah. It's, is, it's an indicator right. that you're this fully charged. Is, this, is, this is really <laughs> dumb. Um, the, I, so so I, I mean I again I don't know I don't know I don't know why um, we naturally a lot of people with penises naturally get boners when they wake up. I do know that if you aren't getting, I do know this. I do know that if you have a hard time getting boners when it's like make fuck time, and you also mm. don't get typically get boners in your morning wood. 
that um, that it's a it's a sign that you have erectile dysfunction that is not just psychosomatic erectile dysfunction, but it's like test- actual testosterone. It's actual like there's physical. A, there, there's a, yeah, I know that there's a link to <clears throat> testosterone levels and morning wood. Yeah, oh I yeah, know that yeah. there's a, I, for sure a link I, there. I feel like this is definitely tying back to the battery just not be fully charged, be being fully charged. Then yeah. I think I was right. Um, well, there's a reason why I brought this up. But before I do, uh, Lauren, do you, you don't get like you don't get like clip boners when you wake up or anything like that. <laughs> no, not that I've noticed. I don't get morning boners. I give morning boners. Hey oh, wow, <laughs> nice, dude. Fuck yeah, nice. dude. Don't tell us that. If we were Boom. in the same don't, room, is, I would. This is, I would bones you. This is inappropriate. Right what? <laughs> wait, what did you say, Taylor? <laughs> what get, did you I just give her bones? I said, I said, I, I said, I'd bones you. You, Jesus, dude, you can't. You know, like I'm I can't perplexed. bone our the high the person no, we I would, hired. No, no, no. Guys, I, would bone, I'd bo- guys. I'd Kyla, I can you. see Kyla right behind you. Yeah, I was gonna say that's very bold. Yeah. We could literally yeah, but, see her. Yeah, but she doesn't even know. But she can't hear the other side of this conversation. So she doesn't even know that I'm talking to Lauren. Oh wow! wow. Oh okay. <laughs> As if this isn't going to be released to thousands of people tomorrow. That <laughs> oh could God. fucking God damn tell her. I completely God. forgot about that. <laughs> this is so inappropriate. <laughs> so here's the reason why I brought this up. Um, uh, I know that um, I know that Taylor and Brian. I know you guys have like had, have been in like sort of high um, altitude areas in the world. I've 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 also been to higher altitude areas in the world. Um, uh, there's a phenomenon that I came across um, that is pretty fascinating. Um, uh, climbing Mount Everest gives people boners. So, um, dude, I could have told you that for sure. Like, have you? I just think about how excited I would be to be there. And just the whole time I would be walking around with a raging heart on like, oh. I can't wait to get to the top of this hill. Well, like excitement. I've got a theory right? forming in my head as to why this is already. It has nothing to do with excitement. It has to do with blood pressure. Oxygen. Blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Uh, climbing Mount Everest is reserved for the, this is a, a article from, uh, uh, gentside.co.uk and they're pulling this from Vice somewhere. This is a, this is just trickle down internet. Uh, this is by Kim Scott. Climbing Mount Everest is reserved for the elite. It requires months of preparation and a lot of money. But once you've succeeded, you would have the satisfaction of being at the highest point on Earth with an extra bonus. It might certainly sound like a dirty joke, but <laughs> it is actually a thing. According to uh, Srinath Varma, a passionate 26-year-old climber, the entire blood flow starts. Uh, the entire blood flow slows down as you get higher on the mountain, and the heart beats harder and faster. "Quote: The lack of blood flow to your brain, paired with oxygen deficiency, really does make your mind go blank. You feel as though you have no retained knowledge, and you start to forget how your body works. It's scary." When asked if he got a boner, he answered that he gets one after four thousand five hundred meters. This phenomenon is not isolated, and it has a name: the airplane boner. Oh, I mean, yeah, I get airplane boners like it's fucking <laughs> going out of style. Well, the airplane, that immediately the air, made sense. The airplane boner thing is a bit different too, I think. So, so, um, or I guess maybe not. The, as the cabin pressure changes <laughs> with altitude, the male penis becomes erect. Yeah, right. The lower the cabin pressure yeah, due to altitude, then causes blood to flow directly to the boner region. Same thing, dude. If, same, if I'm going to fall thing asleep I said on earlier, the plane. Same thing I said earlier. It's because you're just so excited for your trip. Like, have you guys ever gone to Cancun? And like, you just have a raging 
hard on the it entire so time. Worse. Yeah, but then when you come back, you don't. It's crazy. Did I, have t- did I tell you guys if, about the time that I flew back from um, from Mexico, and we flew out of Cancun? I didn't go to Cancun, but I but I was flying out of Cancun, and the guy that sat in front sorry. of me, the guy that sat in front of me, he was like this. Um, he was just like doing cocaine. No, 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 no. He had minutes. done probably doing cocaine off his rock. Way heartache. too much cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he was he was That's a crazy he was visual. sitting in front of me. He was probably like sixty, like fifty-five to sixty, or maybe he was like forty, but just partied so hard he looked sixty. And this guy was in such. He was such a hurting unit. He <laughs> puked the entire flight back <laughs> to Canada. <laughs> He filled so bag satisfying. upon bag upon bag. This guy was not doing all right. Uh, Mexico did not treat him well. Anyway, Dude, um, when I'm on a plane, when I'm on a plane, I'm like, I, I, I do you guys do this? I sit. There, I mean, you know, I fly a lot, or I used to fly a lot, and I will, I will lay down. I will sit there, and I'm like, okay, I'm. I can tell that sleep is coming on. You know, I watch my movie or whatever, and now I'm going to take a nap, and and I'll go. Oh, I need a sweater. I need a sweater cover, or some type yourself. of material or my laptop or something. And I got to put it over my lap because 100% while I'm sleeping, I'm going to get rock solid. Definitely. And, and I don't want, <laughs> and I don't want, you know, you know, Karen sitting next to me to, you know, call the police on your boner. Yeah. Call the police on my boner and take <laughs> offense to my, to, to my unintentional boner. <laughs> Yeah. And I, cause I, cause I'm looking at Karen going, yo, this isn't for you. This is just, this is all, this is just, this is just me sleeping. It's not my fault. <laughs> I didn't do anything. Dude, I didn't ask for this. You are literally <laughs> repeating verbatim, uh, a Theo Vaughn bit about him getting a boner <laughs> on a plane and telling the lady next to him who is angry at his boner that his boner is for him and not for her. <laughs> yeah. It's for me. This um, is for me. This ain't for you. I yeah. I got. <clears throat> I was. Um, I I had this thought to to uh, to talk about this article uh, this morning because I I did. I woke up with morning wood this morning, and I was thinking about how how like. I man, I don't know how like boners are so uh, they're so interesting to me because it's like they can come they can come on out of nowhere, and. Sometimes they just like they they can they can be so they can be so intense in in like in pressure and feeling mm. and mm-hmm. there's like this thing sometimes that happens especially with the morning ones where it's like they just it feels like they're never gonna go away like there's almost like a not a worry but like sort of like a slight like <laughs> ooh is this like a is it called a priapism or priapism like where you're kind of like I think it's because oh. you've had it forever you've had it for like two hours in bed. Really? Do you, is that how, is that how morning wood works? Like you, I don't think you do. I think you get it. Like, well, I don't know how, I don't, I, I don't know you, how long, but I, I wake up and it's very already there. Yeah, I think you it's get not it. like I wake up and then it comes I think on. you get it as you're coming out of REM. I think you're like coming Guys, out of sleep and you're starting to get it. Dude, it's totally the, your battery is recharged. The oh, light ticks on sense. and you're, you're good to go. Like it's Lauren was saying it too. It, it just directs you, it pulls you right out of bed. And I think it's like that indicator that like, Hey, the world is ready for you. And the world you is are ready, ready for, for the world. Thi- yeah, the world is ready for this. Um, uh, <laughs> later, later in the conversation, we speak to a uh, a um, a clinical psychologist who uh, who works for Movember. Uh, we're going to be talking about men's health, and uh, hey, what a great way to start the conversation by talking about some male anatomy 
um, and mm-hmm. boners. Uh, let's move on to something a little more scientific and a little more interesting. Uh, this is this is debatable. Super fucking mind blowing. Okay, this is coming out of MIT um, and MIT News uh, from Jennifer Chu. This is the title of the article: Artificial Intelligence Model detects asymptomatic COVID-19 infections through cell phone recorded coughs. Results might provide a convenient screening tool for people who may not suspect they're infected. So here's the the sort of highlights from this article. It's it's a bit of a lengthy one. Um, But basically, this is what I I pulled out. Are you you saying that Big Brother is listening to us all the time? No, uh, but... I mean, well, yes. I mean, I mean, did you not watch that fucking documentary that came out that everybody watched, The Social Dilemma? Yes, you know, yes, that's the, right. The, and the, also, the, the, I've the, seen Black the, Mirror. The triplets, the triplet robots that are inside our phones, like trying to right. send us <laughs> yeah. fucking notifications every every ten minutes. I mean, who hasn't who hasn't gotten Instagram ads about things that they've literally just been talking about only thirty seconds later, right? Dude, I know, I, I, I know, I'm, dude. I'm, I'm telling getting you, getting IG ads on things I've been thinking about. Anyway, that's that's for, I have I Whoa, have and that's dude. for another that's for Elon another, Musk is in your head. Dude. I have and that's neural for, net neural net. I have been and and we can talk about that another time. Uh, this is what this is what this is what this article uh, basically says. So uh, this team at MIT they used the two thousand five hundred COVID associated recordings. So they were collecting this data along with two thousand five hundred more recordings that they randomly selected from the collection to balance the data set. They used 4,000 of these samples to train the AI model. The remaining 1,000 recordings were then fed into the model to see if it could accurately discern coughs from COVID patients versus healthy individuals. So, so they have recorded coughs from a ton of these people, and they've trained the AI with, with, um, with a total of 5,000 recordings, and they took then a thousand of the recordings and they tested it through the AI, right? So <clears throat> the model identified 98.5% of coughs from people confirmed with COVID-19. And of those, it accurately detected every single one of the asymptomatic coughs. What? The team is working Whoa. on incorporating the model into a user-friendly app, which if FDA approved and adopted on a large scale, could potentially be a free, convenient, non-invasive pre-screening tool to identify people who are likely to be asymptomatic for COVID-19. A user could log in daily, cough into their phone, and instantly get information on whether they might be infected and therefore should start uh, should confirm with a formal test. Well, but a cough into your phone is not the same as a genuine no, but like I need to cough cough. It, it, the caught that you know the whole idea here is that you're coughing into your phone and the ai is so dialed in that it is able to detect the sounds in your cough to say with 98.5% accuracy whether or not you have covid-19 and pretty much better pretty than much with, swab pretty test? much with 100% accuracy whether or not you are asymptomatic with covid-19 is that enough that's, that's crazy. crazy. That is that is super mind blowing. You know what it makes me it, it makes me think of all the all the effort and the technology and uh, the science that is going into researching COVID and COVID related things and things for 
detecting COVID and all this shit. Mm. And how many people, like what happens, how bummed are, are people going to be when, if there's a vaccine that just gets sent out and they're like, oh, all this technology that we developed is now worthless. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, like pretty bummed. You spend yeah. so much time developing something and you know, you're developing it for the health of the world, but you're also thinking, you know, this might, this might punch my ticket to, uh, to Richville. And well, when, no, go, go ahead. Say, well, but then, then, vac- then it all falls away. Yeah. Well, when there's a vaccine, it's still going to spread. Like once, once it's announced that there's a vaccine that works, it'll have to be produced on a massive scale. It'll have to be distributed and all that's still going to, it's going to take a lot of time. So if we're able to implement an app quicker than that, then we'll be able to bring the disease to heal and be able to live normally. Like if, if ever, imagine if everyone was able to live the way we have been here in the Atlantic bubble up till now, like knock on wood. Like mm-hmm. having having mm-hmm. contact tracing that sophisticated might enable people in other parts of the world to be living the dream like we've been and yeah, save lives that. between yeah. now and then. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, when is the vaccine coming out? I mean, I I heard from one particular oh, source dude, that it was supposed to be knows. available already. Dude, who knows? Dude, we're gonna find it. We're gonna get the vaccine before we find out who's president. No, <laughs> come on. Well, it's I mean, gonna, it's gonna take a while to find out who's president, though. <laughs> Hold on, let me refresh my CNN link. <laughs> um, see if it's over. Yo, uh, have you guys I, heard of Have you guys heard of GPT three? No, what's that? It's, oh, it's like you the, told me it's an AI thing. You sent me some. You sent me some stuff on it, a video on it before of how crazy advanced it is. Yeah, it's basically like right? AI that uses deep learning to produce human-like text. So, like, you could basically get a human to die, like, it ingests a bunch of information, and then it and then it starts to like create text that sounds like the text that was input into it. And you can start getting it to like training it to answer questions. And it's basically going to be like the language source for AI, so it can start talking Dude. in like really intellectual ways with and interacting and interfacing with human beings. Well, have you ever heard Dude, the how, audio of how the dark two AIs all... speaking to each other that they developed no. their own language? So they took oh, they took scary, two man. AIs and they start and they got them to try to communicate and they they developed they started to develop their own language with one another and uh it's very eerie to listen to because it's 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 like it sounds like a like a glitching out fucking computer that's trying to talk, but they're talking back and forth to one another. It's very trippy. The, the, the crazy that's thing the last thing the last human being is going to hear. Oh fuck yeah, dude. Yes, <laughs> yeah. guys. How 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 uh, how dark and ominous is the is the word deep learning? <laughs> yeah, deep, deep learning. Dark deep learning just makes me think like, just think of uh, of of a computer that's just sitting in a corner and it's like the cameras on it and you just see a, you just see the light flashing and it flashes a little bit quicker. Hey man, listen, camera is just zooming (laughs) in slowly. And then you realize that that thing is going to kill everybody. Halloween. That's literally (laughs) running everything. Look, Halloween is over. We are in November. It's we're getting ramping up for Christmas. Okay. We're trying to keep things light, trying to keep things sweet. Okay. I want to, I want to keep it. I want to keep it on this AI train, but I want to lighten it up a bit. Um, I just went through this article a little further and I just found something that I didn't see prior and this is going to blow your fucking minds. Okay, so talking about AI and, the, and how impressive AI can be, right? <clears throat> prior to the pandemics, this is from the same MIT article, prior to the pandemic's onset, 
Research groups had already begun training algorithms on cell phone recordings of coughs to accurately diagnose conditions such as pneumonia and asthma. Get, get this. In similar fashion, the MIT team was developing AI models to analyze forced cough recordings to see if they could detect signs of Alzheimer's, a disease associated with not only memory decline, but also neuromuscular degradation, such as weakened vocal cords. So they, they were working on figuring out AI to potentially diagnose Alzheimer's through the sound of a cough. They first trained a general machine learning algorithm or neural network known as ResNet 50. Fuck, that's a spooky name. To (laughs) discriminate sounds associated with different degrees of vocal cord strength. (laughs) Studies have shown that the quality of the sound mm, can be an indication of how weak or strong a person's vocal cords are. Subriana, this is uh, one of the people, trained a neural network on an audiobook data set with more than a thousand hours of speech to pick out the word them from other words like the and then. The team trained a second neural network to distinguish emotional states evident in speech because Alzheimer's patients and people with neurological decline more generally have been shown to display certain sentiments such as frustration or having a flat effect more frequently than they express happiness or calm. The researchers developed a sentiment speech classifier model by training it on a large data set of actors, intonating emotional states such as neutral, calm, happy, and sad. The researchers then trained a third neural network on a database of coughs in order to discern changes in lung and respiratory performance. Finally, the team combined all three models and overlaid an algorithm to detect muscular degradation. The algorithm does so by essentially simulating an audio mask or a layer of noise and distinguishing strong coughs, those that can be heard over the noise, over weaker ones. With their new AI framework, the team fed an audio recording, the team fed in audio recordings including of <clears throat> including of Alzheimer's patients and found it could identify Alzheimer's samples better than the existing models. The results showed that together, vocal cord strength sentiment, lung and respiratory performance, and muscular degradation were effective biomarkers for diagnosing the disease. That is wild. That is so fucking mind-blowing. Wow. It's like a cough is like the fingerprint sound for the human health or something. That's incredible. (laughs) That they're able to diagnose such a range of problems. Just just through the sound Mm -hmm. of a cough. I can't get over that. Yeah, and a forced one at that, Tay, because that's one thing that I kind of thought I was like, well, it's going to be a forced mm-hmm. cough if you're not, if you're feeling fine, which most of the time, unless you're, unless you're Jeremy, you are. That's true. Uh, you're <laughs> like not coughing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Tee-hee, little that. pot shot. But, yeah. So what did we, what did we learn? That we, we learned this year through AI that we can, we, it's possible to diagnose something like Alzheimer's through a cough. And also that our, uh, and this was from a live show that we did recently, that our buttholes, our anuses, our anus is um, is a biomarker anus. is a bi- an identifiable biomarker as as uh, unique as your fingerprint. Mm-hmm. You got a butt finger, so <laughs> so lots to it's learn. It's really interesting what scientists have been up to lately, isn't it? It really is. The, I mean, there's this, <laughs> yeah. there's the butthole thing, and then there's boners at the top of Mount Everest. Crazy! Wow, what a great collection of what a great collection of learnings this yeah. Friday. Yeah. Lots to take home. Lots to take home, you know? 
So uh, anyway, that's fucking crazy. Also, it's like it, it kind of blows my mind about like, you know. I don't know. I'm just such a fucking idiot. You know, like I, I sit here and I think about AI. The last thing I would have ever thought, like, how did they get to that point where they go, hey, let's let's take these like three things that seem completely separate from one another and then see if we can pull them together and then train a computer to basically tell us something that like it it really is it's so sci-fi that it that it's so it's like hard for me to wrap my head around you know it's it's so mm. westworld like it's so i mean that's basically what we just did with the, all the computer deep learning stuff we took boners <laughs> yeah. we took ai yeah okay like we took all yeah, we took yeah. all these things and we're just yeah. and we're and now out of out of that oh, comes a deeper understanding yeah. of human health the capacities of computers and how we live our lives as humans. So crazy. I mean, we're it's basically just, the AI. We're we're basically the AI. Yeah. It's crazy yeah, how much um but it's crazy how much data we produce as as like an online tech based species that where we're communicating constantly through um mediums that are able to be tracked and yeah. then analyzed and yeah. then reported on. And like it there was a there was an episode of Reply All that came out uh, last week or the week before where they were talking about the the global happiness calculator and how they're tracking the happiness of um of everybody on the planet through Twitter. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> and and basically oh, wait, they wait, looked it was at through it over, the like, words, the, right? It was through like words that were yeah, used. Yeah, it's a sentiment yes, sentiment right. analysis yeah. based and, on and emojis. Based, right. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah, Twitter Twitter analyzes at, emojis too. That's right. Yeah. So, so how do they and, account and, for everybody on Twitter being, um, being, um, massively dysfunctional people? Well, yeah. So I guess it's basically only, they can only really make statements about people who use Twitter, I guess, oh, really. Shade. Right. But, right. but, um, but Alex Goldman, one of the hosts gave access to this company to track his personal text messages over the past year. And they went and did a data dump of all of the messages that he sent and analyzed his happiness. And they were like, yeah, it looks like you were going through a tough time in like September of this year. And tell us about this time of the month. Like, what were you experiencing? And he went into like the details of like why he would have been feeling that way. Mm. But it's crazy how machines can start to know more than that. I mean, in a lot of cases, know a lot more about us than we know about ourselves. That's the thing with AI, man. Once Isn't we hit the singularity, <laughs> like once we hit the singularity and that thing starts teaching itself at a rate that like we can't even comprehend. And it's just compounding like second after second. I mean, I mean that's why I host this podcast because I want there to be enough um, data of who I was and how I uh, how I think as a person, so that when I'm about to die, they can just capture that and bring me back to life as, uh, as Dude, some that, piece that, of the neural. That is network. an episode of Black Mirror. Yeah, yeah, yeah actually, <laughs> it was literally, yeah, yeah. it's it literally an episode. Um, I'm, I'm I'm compositing an the artificial intelligence version of myself through this podcast. Uh, so are I, all of us. Yeah. We'll, we'll never have to be without you, Brian. You know, it's really great. If we, um, if we, if we brought back like in the black mirror episode where they compile the, the like AI version of the, of, uh, the boyfriend. uh, Domhnall Gleeson's character, mm-hmm. um, through all of his, through his social media personality, um, we would just get we would we would just get a version of Brian that's always uh that's always on the beach in Hawaii in a van. 
<laughs> yeah, dude, dude, that is the best version of myself. Yeah, I yeah. hope that that's <laughs> well, all. It would, just be that Brian, that's it, it would just be Brian at the beach constantly with with, with van problems, constantly, <laughs> constantly working on like working on his next talk. <laughs> um, so, hey, uh, we got a really sweet letter, um, uh, you know, uh, the, the last uh, last week um, we had the pleasure of um releasing our episodes uh all about the the wonders and the beauty of um psilocybin as used as a as a, a therapy for uh specifically some patients here in in Canada who are dealing with end of life distress um by the way uh, just throwing this out there and we can talk about this next week but uh Oregon has officially uh voted in uh right. they they decriminalized all drugs in Oregon <clears throat> Crazy, crazy yeah. step. Yeah, in, in small the right amounts, direction, I think. Um, in small amounts, yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, d- after we we put out those episodes, which were amazing, Doctor O'Sullivan and Thomas Hartle. If you haven't listened to him, I highly suggest you go check it out. Uh, we got a letter from a listener. Uh, someone wrote in. Someone, someone actually listened to us and wrote in to letters at sickboypodcast.com. You can send a letter there if you have a comment or a question or you want something read on the show. Um, and this comes from Kira. Uh, I'm going to read this to you guys if you haven't read it yet. Just finished listening to the episodes with Dr. Sullivan and Dr. O'Sullivan and Thomas Hartle. (laughs) Okay, Kira, you know, I'm sorry. I got to call you out here. Uh, You said Dr. Sullivan and Thomas Hartley. Um, Close, but no. Uh, Dr. O'Sullivan <laughs> and Thomas Hartle uh, on psychedelic therapy. I'm just, I'm just. Yeah, if you write us a here. letter, make sure you don't spell anything <laughs> wrong, or we're going right. to call you out on <laughs> yeah. the podcast. You can also send your letters to, um, to uh, you know, whatever. That's fucking. Guys, my back, my back hurts too much. Let's get this over with. Uh, they were <laughs> fascinating. It's so exciting to hear about the benefits of these treatments. I thought you might be interested to know that psychedelics ketamine, at least, are also being tested for chronic pain treatment. My dad's lived with a mess of chronic pain issues for the last 23 years. It took him 10 years to get diagnosed, and the diagnoses were complex. Fibromyalgia, peripheral peripheral neuropathy, spondyloarthritis, two disintegrated discs in his spine. I'm pretty sure I'm forgetting some of it. The pain had gotten progressively worse over the years. His day-to-day treatment includes high doses of prescription opioids. He's also a patient at a specialist pain clinic in Vancouver. He goes down every year or two to have his facet nerves burned down so they are less sensitive to the pain. Oh, my Lord. After five years ago, sorry, about five years ago, he signed up for an experimental ketamine treatment with the clinic. They admitted him for two or three weeks, throughout which he was kept on a ketamine drip. He described the dose as being just at the starting point of a high, not deep into a trip. The goal was to reroute the pathway of the pain signals. Pain travels to the brain through the nerves, and with chronic pain, it's taking the same route over and over and over again. Over time, those pathways get deeper, making the pain more intense. The ketamine treatment breaks those paths forcing the pain to find a new route. That's my unscientific understanding of it. Um, so we're, we're, you know, that's, that's Kira. Um, uh, and she's not a doctor. So yeah. just take it easy. Yeah, that's there, you right, saying folks? it factually. We take, get it, Jerry. T- take it easy, folks. Yep. For dad, the treatment was a huge success. He was able to cut his opioid dose in half. 
Unfortunately, the treatment is temporary. The new pathways get deeply embedded over time. He's He'd likely do the treatment again, but the clinic has had their funding cut and have less than half the beds they used to. He's even having a hard time getting his facet treatment done on time. Through it all, it's his incredibly strong spirit that gets him through. He rarely leaves the house anymore, but finds so much joy in the little things. Watching birds and squirrels at his bird feeder. Spoiling my niece and nephew. Traveling the world through Google Earth. Fuck yeah, that's super fun. He's a joker who loves to laugh. He's got a huge heart and isn't afraid to show his emotions. I told him he should apply for the show, but I think it might be hard for him. He does, does not have much energy these days. Anyway, thanks for having these conversations. There's potentially so many amazing benefits to psychedelic therapy. The work you're doing to break down the stigma is important. Well, thanks for that, Kira. Um, and yeah, ketamine treatments. Um, I mean, it's, <clears throat> you know, I've, I've heard a, a number of conversations about ketamine being used for like, especially for, um, for like treatment resistant chronic depression. Um, and again, it ties into that, like that whole rewiring of the neural pathways in the brain and, and mm-hmm. kind of like changing up those pathways. Oh, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's ketamine. There's, uh, MDA, MDMA is really big. Yeah. MDMA well. is being used big time for PTSD specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. And, and you know, like that, that it's, I think we're, we're, we are a, a, a probably a while out, but like Dr. O'Sullivan said, you know, we're pro- MDMA is probably going to be the next thing that we see become legalized and used for 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 therapy use. Um, like this this stuff that's happening in Oregon right now is fucking huge. I think that not only did they did they decriminalize all drugs, but they also um, they also passed a law where the use of of psilocybin for therapy is is legal now in Oregon which is again huge so oh, cool. um, really and there was cool. there was a number of states that like legalized cannabis you know so it's like the mm-hmm. the, the the wheels are slowly turning yeah um, man yeah. it's so good for like overall public health for for uh, those drugs to be decriminalized too because mm-hmm. it's not only like the incarceration rates go down but then it oh, allows dude. drugs like that to be studied for medicinal purposes so I'm it like sure, opens yeah. the doors to so many <clears throat> future yeah. treatments I'm sure Mark Tindall was pretty stoked to see Oregon totally pass yeah. that pass that uh, that law yeah yeah and like once start one thing once well not this isn't not this isn't necessarily true but like once one one state or one country takes that step, then it makes it easier for the next country right. to, and like things start yeah. to happen at a faster rate. But I, but at the same time, I would say that that, that isn't necessarily true in the sense that in the sense that like federally Canada has legalized cannabis, but in the States, they, they took the first steps um, at least in North America anyway, yeah. um, legalizing it in certain States, but then, there's no federal law and like Ooh. states like I was surprised to hear the other night that uh, the other a couple nights ago when the election was on, uh, like when it was like, you know, a thousand miles an hour election go, uh, election coverage um, that New York uh, hadn't legalized cannabis yet. And that was really surprising to me. Yeah, well, I mean, we were there um, last year. Right. Um, <clears throat> and I remember we, we like we were looking for. Yeah, that's right. You guys were looking for joints. 
And like they were like, no, we don't. But we they were like selling CBD pre rolls, but they they didn't. Yeah, have they THC. were like they were like CBD stores, yeah. like, and they sold yeah. joints yeah, 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 and yeah. oils yeah. and all that stuff, right? But it's um, wild that it's so like demonized in the states too. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. it it wasn't even demonized that way in Canada prior to it being legalized the same way that it is in in the states, mm-hmm. which is yeah. Yeah, which is yeah. wild. The schools in the states, it's crazy. Like they're yeah. very fear mongering about yeah. it. Like the educate, like the the education I got about it in my health classes and stuff that I took. It was like I thought. I thought I was going to die. Like I was, mude. I was like kind of afraid of cannabis before I started using it. Yeah. Right. Like I will say though, the, like weird messaging mm-hmm. that they, I, I, they shove down our throats. I will say though, um, like obviously when I first started smoking weed, when I was, I don't know, in my late teens, I thought like, this is amazing. Like everybody should do it. It, it makes me more introspective and more self-aware. And I think I'm a kinder and compassionate person because of it. And I thought it was like the greatest thing ever. But then I had experiences with a few people um, sort of in my immediate life that had used, had had tried smoking weed at a, a younger age that had like significant psychological effects. Um, where Predisposition to schizophrenia. Exactly. Like <sighs> exactly. Same, same type of thing. So if you're using... Um, or if you're smoking, engaging in using THC under the age of 25, like I, I, I think people need to be really careful about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Just a caveat um, to the conversation yeah. we were having before. Yeah, weed, weed will 100%. turn you into a criminal. Stay away from it. Don't touch it. Um, yeah, it it's is, a gateway drug. It is, it's it a, is gateway a gateway drug. drug. It's that. <laughs> it's a gate. It's a, it, it is. It is. And the <laughs> gates are wide open. Um, <laughs> this week, uh, we are throwing to a conversation with uh, Dr. Zach Seidler, um, and he is all the way from deep down in Australia. And um, we spoke to him about uh, men's mental health, and uh, he's actually uh, he plays a big role in in um, taking big leaps in in. Uh, in the world of mental health, uh, specifically tremendous for, leaps, tr- tremendous leaps. Um, uh, he works for Movember the best leaps. Um, and you know, it's Movember are, are good friends of ours. Um, uh, they've always been in our corner and we've always been in theirs and Hey, listen, some, some Movember info. If you're, if you're interested, especially after you listen to this conversation, uh, you could go check out their website, Movember.com <clears throat> for more information on their campaign and, and what they're up to and how you can get involved. Um, or you can go to conversation.movember.com for a handy tool to help guide you through how to have tough conversations with a friend who might be struggling. Um, you know that you can do that or, or, you know, listen to our podcast too. Um, or you can also, you can also sign up and donate today to help change the face of men's health. So, uh, that's movember.com or conversation.movember.com. Uh, let's throw to our conversation with Dr. Zach Seidler and we'll see you on the other side. Uh, Dr. Zach Seidler, uh, clinical psychologist, is that correct? Psychologist? Yeah, clinical psychologist, researcher, and leading men's mental health expert. Uh, Also, the director of mental health training at Movember. Uh, Movember, very, very good old friends of ours. Uh, They've been, they've been um, 
hoisting our our lazy asses up over the last five years and uh, giving us uh, uh, a bit of a uh, bit of love every year when uh, when it's when it's mustache time. Um, Zach, I'm gonna, you know, I, I, so I don't know if you know this, but uh, I did, I did go to theater school, uh, and studied acting, uh, at a very esteemed university here in Canada. And one of the big things that we did was learn accents. Uh, but I will save you, uh, my Australian accent. Um, I've done it a number of times on the podcast. And if you want to listen to it, you can go back and listen to past episodes. It's really, it's dialed in. Um, it. Cheerio, you know, it's, it's quite, yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's quite uh, oh, something else. Uh, Zach, um, uh, what's, uh, let's talk about men's mental health uh, because there's clearly, uh, it's clearly still to this day, you know, since, the, since day one, since we started this podcast five years ago, mental health, has been something that uh, we made a concerted effort to touch on at least once per month on this show. And one of the things that we realized pretty quickly was that when it comes to talking about mental health, especially from, from a, a man's perspective, um, a lot of guys out there have a hard time wrapping their heads around the idea of even going remotely close to that subject. Mm-hmm. Um, and five years later, Although it seems like there's been like the needle has moved slightly, uh, it still seems to be quite an issue, and uh, I'm sure that you have some like stats that that would prove that to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's what's it like? What's it like being a clinical psychologist and also working for for Movember from a from a mental health perspective? Well, firstly, thanks thanks for having me, guys. It's great to to be here all the way from the other side of the world, Australia, not <laughs> New Zealand. Um, but the, the, (laughs) let's get that out. Um, that, uh, the really important thing, like when it comes to, to men's mental health, the fact that we're having this conversation and the fact that you guys have this conversation regularly is pretty crazy. You know, like a a decade ago, no one, you know, with your hipster good looks is talking about mental health. This doesn't happen. (laughs) Um, so we've, we've, we've made, we've made great, you know, um, progress in that in that instance in saying that um from a stats perspective we lose a man a minute to suicide the world over it's about 500,000 men a year um and you know from anecdotes to personal uh stories that everyone has it's not a ripple effect anymore it's a fucking tidal wave you know um everyone has been touched by this stuff uh silence is is deadly um and I think that the thing that we're starting to understand is that programs like this are leading to the undercurrent, if you will, um, shifting. Yeah. So the mm. the um, the way that we understand and talk about mental health is is making huge progress, and we're starting to understand that we can shift the dialogue about this stuff. But it's going to take a fucking long time, especially you know middle age middle age guys who who are potentially isolated and living in regional areas and all that type of stuff. Mm becomes really difficult over time what what makes it so hard for guys to to like make that first step in in you know opening up and and starting to talk about their mental health i mean i mean from my perspective uh we've been doing this show for five years and i understand the importance of of doing self-work and especially focusing on you know uh, for one example seeing a therapist and only recently, even after having these conversations, which, you know, 
kind of have have been this form of therapy for me over the the past five years. Only recently, like in the last four or five months, did I actually start seeing a therapist myself. And so I'm 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 curious. Like I I'm like ripe to see a therapist because I'm in this environment where I'm talking openly about this this stuff quite often. But for guys who you know don't have the the privilege to be able to have discussions like this, you know, for their job. What, what is it like, what, what makes it so hard to take that mm. first step? And like, how do we, how do we get more people to do that? Well, that just shows. And, and I appreciate, you know, sharing that, that with me, but I, I think that what it comes down to is that if someone like you finds this shit hard, you know, and, and I find it hard as well, talking about my own mental health is, is a really difficult discussion. And, and I'm, you know, I'm literally the guy who should be doing this. So, um, the fact that it's it's hard shows that it takes practice. And sadly, um, you know, young guys growing up don't get the same practice to deal with vulnerability and emotionality, you know, that women do, uh, for instance. And and you, you look at 12 to 16-year-old guys and they're not sitting around talking about what's what's going on in their head. They just don't do that. Thankfully, you know, football clubs nowadays in Australia are starting to introduce this type of discussion so that they can normalize it, I guess, over time. Mm -hmm. But the reason it's difficult is because it's not something we do very often. Uh, We don't necessarily have the language to do it, but I want to stress that we have the capacity to, and it's, Mm -hmm. it's really clear, you know, I deal with guys of all shapes and sizes, different age groups, different ethnicities. No one is immune to this stuff and no one is unable to describe what's going on. They just do it in their own fucking way. I just want to correct you there. You said uh, football clubs. I think what you meant was soccer clubs. But yes, I, I fully, fully We have rugby as well. I'm just throwing it out <laughs> there. Fully heard everything else you, saw, you said there. Uh, I, 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 like how much? How much of it from like a from a, a psych, psychological standpoint, and from you know from the work that you do as a professional? Um, how much of that do you think is a generational issue? And and like and 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 to 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 add to that, do you think that do you think that like you know someone who's someone a child today who who in thirty years from now will be like do you think the landscape is changing that way? Because I because like I hear you say all this stuff and. And like I look at my dad and I go, he is he is a fuck he's the fucking pinnacle of of the dude who just buries that shit as deep down mm, as he can, mm, you know? And mm. then and then and then what happens? Well, you you get ulcers and fucking shit festers and it boils up and then all of a sudden relationships are ending and you're 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 fucking mess. <clears throat> and I look at myself and I see that and I go, fuck that. There's no fucking way I'm gonna go there. But then I look at things that I'm doing, you know, like I have this ability to, to pull back and I go, yeah, but you're not that much better. You know, yeah, you, you yeah, still yeah. do this and you do that and you do that. And so like marginally, do you, do you think from where you're like from where you're standing and from the work that you've done? Like, do you think that it do you think it is generational or do you think it is? Fuck it. I don't know. Like, like can I take that a, a step further? Sure. And, yeah. And ask if. And you need to I, answer all of this. Like, you need to remember all of this. Sound okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep going, Cause, Taylor. Lay Because I heard, because I was seeing it, because the question, I was going to, I was going to jump in there and then you, and then you, and then you went with that, but I was in the same train of mind in, in what I wanted to ask, which was, is it, is there evolutionary markers to like why, why males are less prone to 
sharing, opening up, mm-hmm. whether there's like competitive, competitive aspects to, you know, if you look at like just evolutionary markers, is there, is, is there, is it just to take it from that generational lens and expand it out sure. even to like our biology and how we're made up. Ooh. Cool. Like All right. Well, I'll, I'll start with, with Jeremy's point, which is the idea, I guess that, um, over time, hopefully we're breaking down these traditional masculine norms of, of fucking stoicism, self-reliance, independence, mm. all the things that all of our dads and, and grandparents, especially, you know, all my grandparents are Holocaust survivors. If they didn't have stoicism and, mm. and independence and just fucking get on with it, they wouldn't be here. There's no doubt about that. So firstly, yeah. there's like benefit to some of these things, but the key, you know, and, and what I think we're seeing generationally is hopefully flexible masculinity where you go, mm. all right, I want to be independent. I want to be self-reliant. I kind of want to be a breadwinner, but there is a time and a place for all of this shit. You cannot be rigid because when you can't live up to it, which none of us can, you get this sense of failure, shame, depression, suicidality. Describe masculinity as hard won and easily lost. This idea that we're continuously striving for something that's unattainable and unnecessary um, when in fact your masculinity should look exactly as you fucking want it to. You know, that's Ooh. that's within your control. But we are definitely seeing shifts, I guess, in the fact that, you know, young guys understand what mental health is now. We grew up with it. There's Ooh. been discussions at school. That didn't happen for our, for our dads and grandparents. And so that's huge progress. Um, whether or not we're going to see a complete eradication of all of these issues and everyone's just going to be dancing around going, look how vulnerable I am, that's not going to happen either because women yeah. don't do that even. So <laughs> we shouldn't be striving towards that necessarily. What we should do is try to open up the lines of communication and go talk about it in the way that you want in a, in a way that makes sense to you, that you understand over time um, and just tell your kids that you can do this and practice with them. That's really what it comes down to. And so I reckon, Jeremy, in 30 years' time, we're going to see kids hopefully uh, you know, without the whole social media shit that's, you know, wreaking havoc on the side, um, yeah. hopefully are going to have the the verbal communication and the the vocabulary to go, this is what I'm feeling and this is what I need to do differently rather than Ooh. let me bury this. But, but Taylor, when it comes to your question, uh, everyone really <coughs> loves to, to fall back on the idea that like testosterone means that we don't know how to fucking talk. Um, I've seen some incredible studies with like four-year-old boys who – uh, are sitting in preschool with all the girls and, and and they've been followed from four to six years old and they come in at four and they are the most expressive kids. They actually have a wider emotional spectrum than the girls do. Boys have, a, you know, a really wide spectrum of, of emotions and then you watch them at the age of five and six and they're suddenly looking to their parents and looking to the other boys in their class and going, oh, I'm not getting reinforced for crying anymore Mm. and i'm not no one's listening to me and suddenly i'm being shushed and suddenly the other guys are laughing at me and it slowly becomes condensed and the saddest thing that i ever saw was that you actually don't only cut off talking about sadness and talking about um you know feeling overwhelmed you get these little kids actually losing joy at the same time and so you've got this this serious cutting off at both ends of the spectrum um because any form of extreme emotion is not something that is condoned, I guess. Um, mm. And that's why we end up with, sadly, anger and aggression being the only thing that bubbles to the surface. So, it, like, is it, is it, is it basically like a, like this, this trajectory that, that, that you're talking about that, that has been seen among young male children? Like, it, it's, 
just through society norms it has like cultivated this retardation of of like emotional intelligence like is that is that basically what we're what we're looking at and like one of maybe maybe one of you know fucking probably thousands of different reasons why sure. suicide is like one of the most or is it not the most uh the the highest um, killer for 15 to 44 year olds yeah Whoa, that that's crazy. Fucking yeah. crazy. <clears throat> yeah. That well, is yeah. crazy. That's a crazy statement. Well, that's, that's a crazy wild. statement. And and you said right right from the top, you said you 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 mentioned that one a minute, which is absolutely mind yeah. boggling. Um, and then you also said like 10 years ago, this is something that like you're just not hearing about. Like this is nowhere. November mm. it November hasn't uh or maybe I I, I can't kick starting, but we're in the prostate cancer space at yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah, like not like not where we mm. are today with November. November has obviously made massive strides and made a huge impact across mm. the whole globe. But w- so where does this work for you come in? How do you get attracted to this work? I mean, I'm 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 assuming you're somewhere in the neighborhood of our of our age, like the 30-ish mm. range. Mm. Where does where does the inspiration and the motivation come for you to get into this work and look at it specifically? For sure. So I've got a few, you know, personal um, reasons that I that I got into this. I actually lost my dad to suicide seven years ago, um, and he he was a GP. He was a he was a family uh-huh. physician. Um, you know, went around and and told all of the doctors at conferences to look after themselves. You know, to talk about well being, and he Ooh. he you know couldn't do it himself. Um, and I was already studying to be a psychologist at that time. So I don't think that it necessarily, you know, made me who I am today, but it definitely has motivated me. And rather than thankfully, you know, cracking me and, and, and stopping me from pursuing this, it's actually, you know, lit a fire in my belly to go. If he, who had everything at his disposal to be able to, to tackle this thing, still felt such shame and guilt around, um, reaching out you know, I, I, I felt so awkward discussing any of this stuff with him. We knew he was depressed for a really long time, um, but it was so uncomfortable. And he had, he wanted complete control um, around that because it was everything to him. His profession was everything to him. If, if he couldn't be a doctor, he didn't want to be anything really. And so um, that really started um, my understanding of like, wait a second, there's something fucked with the system here because he went and saw so many psychs, so many psychiatrists. He was in and out of hospital they knew him, you know, and, and he was, and the idea that men uh, suicide out of the blue, I just do not buy. Not offering them what they want, what they need. We're going, sit here, sit across from me and let's talk about things the way that I want as the clinician. That's Ooh. not how it works. You need to discuss things with guys in a way that makes sense to them and ask them, what do you want from this? How do you want this to work? So that that is something that continues to drive me and, and thankfully, you know, isn't very much in line with Movember's. <clears throat> agenda but really what it comes down to I've, I've just watched too many of my mates struggle unnecessarily um mm. when they could have just at, earlier reached out before crisis hits and just gone um what's going on and i watched the way that men interact with women gender has always just been intriguing to me you know much like jeremy i'm a drama boy um and i you know i hung out with way more women and i realized oh wait i can talk to them in ways that i can't talk to my male friends and it's not that I don't have the language, it's that it's just really fucking uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And if I go to the movies and I'm, and I'm you know, watching a, a Pixar movie, I'm watching fucking Toy Story 3 and I'm bawling my eyes out and my mates are next to me, I'm like doing this. I'm like, I'm like stopping the tears. I'm like, why is this happening? 
So yeah. I, I'm always thinking about what is in control of my emotions here and what am I afraid of? And so mm-hmm. I just want to break that shit down for good. Mm. Well, I, I'm so, I, I just want to, I want to touch on one thing that you said there that I, that, that is like really, uh, that I, so, so y- this idea that a man comes in and you go to talk to him, but you don't want to, you don't want to just talk to him the way that the clinician is, has been taught to, or the, mm-hmm. the way that the clinician wants to. Um, and you say, well, what do you want to get out of this? What is it that you, that you need to hear? Or what is it that you want? I, when I hear you say that, I feel like the, the like 99.9% of the time, the response is going to be, I don't fucking know. I don't know. Like, yeah, how, yeah. like, how do you, how do you, how does one know if like, if you don't know what you don't even know, how does one, how does one know? How does one know what even to think about or, or to, to like examine or dig into if, if, if this is so fucking foreign to you, you know, like what, like what is, do you have anything, say someone's listening and they heard you say that and they've heard Mm. something like that from their therapist Mm. and they, they really don't know. Like, do you have any sort of, I'll never start. I'll, I'll never start with that. I'll, I'll, the the problem right. is, is that that as you said, it's so foreign that men aren't like oriented or educated to this this type of you know communication style. It doesn't make sense. And often I say, you know, we don't need to sit across chair face to face and talk like this. I've got a pool table at my at mm. my you know uh, work, and so we can just play and just chat and it doesn't need Mm. to be like how are we going to progress here how are we going to find things it's like the therapeutic relationship Mm. is shown to actually lead to like 33 percent of positive outcomes so it's like do we connect do you respect me do you trust me that's going to be like the most important thing you know my role as a clinician is to go what are the practical ways that we can change things in your life to get you towards that so I guess that that's, mm-hmm. and someone always comes in, you'll always go, I want to drink less. I want to have better relationships, whatever it may be. There's always a target. Something wants to change. I'm not sleeping, whatever it is. And we'll um, mm-hmm. always find a way to just try to hit that. And I, I constantly go, I need you to tell me, is this fucking working? Because this is a two-way street. I, I've told clients before, right. I'm like, you're just, I always use this metaphor. I'm like, I am, I am uh, the navigator. You're in the driver's seat. You've got access to the accelerator, to the fucking gear stick. You can do whatever you want. And so I'll tell you, here's a quick path. Here's a slow path. Here's this one. Here's that one. And you'll decide if you want to go straight, if you want to go the long way, the short way, or if you want to fucking plow into a tree. Mm. Because so many men just just mm. go, yep, that's what I'm going to do. Or I'm going to reverse. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm, I'm shit scared. I'm out of here. And I'm going to call you on that. And, mm-hmm. and we're going to have this discussion and go, this is what you're doing right now. It's up to you, but I'm not here to fuck around. Are you tired of hearing the same old wellness advice? It's time to dig deeper and listen to America Dissected from Crooked Media, the podcast that's cutting into the science, culture, and policy that shapes our health. From doctors fighting for their rights to the surprising truths about sunscreen, America Dissected dives deep into the state of health. Tune in every Tuesday for new episodes of America Dissected, available on all major podcast platforms. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like there's there's like I don't want to I don't want to break it down to just like two types of guys, but there's like certainly there's like a more alpha type guy, and then um, I identify with being like a guy that's more connected with my feminine side, mm-hmm. and and for me, 
permission to go to therapy was more so like embracing my feminine side. Like mm-hmm. one of my criteria for reaching out to a therapist or, or finding a therapist was they had to have feminine energy. So it didn't have to be a woman. It could have been a man who had more feminine energy. It didn't really matter to me, but it was like, I, I, you know, you mentioned the, the being a drama geek as well. Like I, I always felt more comfortable opening up to my female friends when I was younger about my problems rather than my guys, my guy friends, because I wanted to protect the idea of masculinity mm. within myself and like <clears throat> retain like an alpha male status and mm. not seem weak to the the guys, but like still be able to talk about my problems to you know, somebody but what else. Is that, so, what is that? Yeah. What does that say? If we go, I want to embrace my feminine energy. So I'm going to go to therapy now where the feminine energy exists. That immediately goes, <laughs> yeah. men should not yeah. fucking be here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or, or like, or men should resist the feminine energy with inside themselves. And I mm. believe that everybody has a balance of that. Whether you're mm. an alpha male or not, there's still fem- like. Maybe that's just a I, part I, of your masculinity, though. You know, that's I, what I mean. I think it's so. Like, yeah, and, and, yeah. And, and, and I think that's fine. You should be able to embrace it. But it's, it seems like almost like in reaching, in, in trying to like, um, to propagate this idea that for men, you know, going to places like therapy is a positive thing. We almost like sort of like try to message it that like, oh, it's okay, alpha male. This is an okay thing for you to do. But like, there's a range of guys who who are struggling to deal with their mental health and they might not be the guys who identify as trying to be the alpha male type, but they still also need to be able to be vulnerable and open about what they're going through. For sure. So the the vast majority of the population are not alpha males. Yeah, there are, there are very few of them. If anything, when I see the alpha male, you start to you start to sorry, you start to he's just he's just flexing. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. Look at that winter body, sexy ass. The idea that there is that there is an alpha. I sit across from a. a you know, a really, I've started sat across from famous rugby players, you know, or massive dudes. And um, mm. if I hadn't been open to the fact that they can have, you know, what we call multiple masculinities, they can have various versions of themselves that fucking shift moment to moment. You can go out and have a beer with your mates at the pub and then come home and watch Mulan with your daughter and, and cry. You can mm. do whatever you want at any point in time. Mm. And it has to be, again, that flexibility. So, you know, we, we say that everyone is trying to achieve this sense of alpha alpha masculinity, but the vast majority of men don't even believe in it. They just feel the mm-hmm. pressure to live up to it. And so yeah. Yeah. if we try to constrict that and go, oh, you fit into this box, I'm going to treat you like this, um, we really limit the capacity for these guys to actually show their true colours, which is mm-hmm. the issue. And really, Brian, the, the vast majority of guys that we see, no matter what you know they look like, have that ability to access their emotions. They just need mm-hmm. to be given the words. I mean, Ooh. I was just, I, I'm an alpha. I'm just, I was just <laughs> saying like, you know, for yeah. the guys out there yeah, that yeah, are yeah, betas. Yeah. I mean, I, I, <laughs> but when, when you said earlier about, about that, they're starting to like implement these things in, in, in football clubs in, in Australia. Like, what is that? I, I think about, I think about back to like uh, Brian and I were best, our best friends. We've been, we've known each other since we were 10 years old. Mm-hmm. Brian has been a person for me and and probably I for him that like we could talk to and that there was like an open dialogue Definitely, there. And yeah. I also had I also had like friends growing up on like like high performance hockey teams that that 
we would swap <laughs> sappy songs with each other about these girls that we were in love Good. with and talk Good. about how love fucking hard, like hard crushed we were. And yeah, I, yeah. I'm, and, and I'm kind of like recognizing that in retrospect, cause I always viewed hockey as like this, like overly dominated, mm. uh, like with like, like, like alpha persona going mm. on. But I actually had a, a, a fairly like healthy, um, healthy relationship with, with, um, with being open in a lot of scenarios there. But what are these, like, I, I, I think about it, it, it kind of has to start with, with kids, mm. with young, with young boys at a certain age, like you mentioned in, like when you followed that, that group of four to six year olds, you sort of see this emotional contraction happening. Mm. Um, is, is that where, is that where it need like, are we, do we need to just go right to the starting point and go, what can we do at this level to stop this emotional contraction so that you then don't see that mm. happening at the, the adolescent level and then, mm. and then you see it less into adulthood. For sure. Cause adolescence, you know, around the age of 16 or so, that's a really prime time definitely to, to start to, to focus and, and getting onto them really early is always the key. And I think that, you know, anytime we, we come to an issue as researchers or clinicians, <clears throat> we go, we need to go earlier. But it's like we also need to deal with the fact that there are 35 to 80 year olds that are still alive and we need to like help them as well. <laughs> so we can't forget about that. We need to do both. Um, I reckon something that's really key here and that we've all spoken about a bit is the idea that there are actually really awesome ways for, for male to male dialogue about this stuff. And the idea that it's only men can talk to women and especially that men can only talk to like female clinicians or whatever it may be is bullshit, isn't true. It might look different, but we all know that we've got a male friend who we know how to have that connection with. And we need to build those up to, to make those conversations more meaningful over time. Something that we do at Movember, we've got this awesome, actually a, a hockey program called Breaking the Ice, um, which is aptly named in Australia. It's called Ahead of the Game because it's it's for rugby and and, and cricket, et cetera. And, and in uh, Canada, it's called Breaking the Ice. And it's focused on getting in and, and building up mental resilience <laughs> in kids. And so we teach parents, coaches and kids around how to deal with a loss, you know, what, um, what vulnerability in, in the face of, of hardship actually looks like, how to overcome that and build up the skills to go, all right, I'm feeling like shit. What do I need to do? Who do I need to rely on? Who can I call? That type of thing. Because we know that especially in, in the elite sports, mental health issues are like through the roof because the pressure is immense. And fundamentally, if you look across the most successful teams in the world, you know, there's so many fucking Netflix documentaries now about this. The ones who have these like vulnerability. <clears throat> they get someone to get up and talk about an issue that's going on for them. And they're just these big blokes just crying. And it's Ooh. like, oh, how are they winning trophies? I remember because they fucking love each other. That's what's going on. Yeah. Here. And yeah. they rely on each other and they understand what's going on. <laughs> Lying, you know, keeping everything to yourself, um, being being ashamed of the truth of your humanity doesn't benefit anyone. So that's what the Breaking the Ice program is trying to get, you know, adolescent boys to go, this is in my best interest for my performance, for my schooling, for everything, mm. because boys are just doing worse across the spectrum. You know, we, we do worse at school. We die four years to six years earlier than women. We just, you know, when we're not thriving in the way that, that we should be. And that's because Ooh. everything is constricting, as you said. Yeah. I mean, with, with, I mean, with sports, I mean, if you, if you are, like you said, it's such a high, it's like such a pressure cooker environment anyway, at the high, at the highest levels, 
And then, but at the same time, all these people are also living a life outside of that sport. They've got problems, they've got issues, they've got relationships and there are things that come up. And if you can't, if you can't unburden yourself or feel like you have a space or people to unburden yourself with, especially the people that you are probably closest with, i.e. teammates, people that you spend all of your time with. I mean, Mm -hmm. again, just adding to that, adding to that, like about to crack. I mean, that's it's amazing to hear that there is that that's a that's a cool um, that's a really cool little program that that you mentioned there that they've got a vulnerability room. Mm -hmm. They come in, they Mm -hmm. take that time, get it off your chest, talk to people, be open. It's really cool. But 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 is it like as simple as like we talk about the word vulnerability a lot Mm -hmm. and and like that's probably the most important takeaway I've had from the last five years of doing this podcast. But but like, is it that simple vulnerability being open and talking about what you're going through? No, it's, I, I feel it's like not it's hilarious. Not. <laughs> no, and, and right. Taylor, if you if you think about the the amount of of pressure that these that these guys are going through, you look at the the substance abuse issues, you know, in the in the sporting world. It's like why are they drinking and drug taking, and then you've got domestic violence. All of this is tied up with fuck. I cannot be the person that I want to be, and now I just need to, you know, slowly and and surely just explode, you know, one way or another. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens. It's like a self destructive pattern but but brian if we're going to think about vulnerability being the key here no i don't buy that for a second i think it's a start and it's a it's a communication um toolkit to go (laughs) all right what what type of setting am am i in now who are my support people what can i what can i do to reach out to them and really you know that you know therapy is not purely about just going oh here's the issue you can't you can't just yeah. go here's my yeah. vulnerability now I'm fixed it doesn't work yeah. like that and mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it's like the way that I always stress it is like you're not coming in here to uh get over anxiety or depression or whatever is going on for you I'm going to help you live with it and and that's right. really what it's about and so it's it's a matter of going here's my vulnerability that is the first step because if I don't know what's going on if I don't know that you're down in the dumps or, or, or suicide or whatever it may be, mm. I can't even begin to access, you know, your, your emotional life. And so we get there and that's the first step, but there's a shit ton to be done after that, which is really focused on like, how can we shift your habits? How can we focus on um, your relationships and what needs to happen? And it's, it's hard yards. There's no doubt about it. There's no magic pill here for this stuff, but Damn, it's worth it. I feel like that gives me a lot of clarity around that because like I've 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 always thought of like vulnerability is the key. And now the way that you frame it, it's like the key first step. To, to open the door then, that leads you into a fucking a maze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. I think um, but you gotta get there. there. Like, yeah. The key there is in the is in the that's a is the management, right? Like the the like the idea that that Maybe maybe this isn't something that you just that you talk about and it goes away. That mm-hmm. you bring it up and then you fix it, but something that rather you learn mm-hmm. how to manage and 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 live with. Because because I when you're going back and and correct me if I'm if I'm wrong to say this, but when you when you look at suicides, it's like it's a lack of ma- it's it's an inability to man to manage and mm-hmm. and 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 a lack like you mentioned in the system to provide the tools with yeah. which to manage. So, I mean, that's like, that's, that's a, that's a huge aspect. Well, the way that I, sh- I shifted really often is I saw a client yesterday and he goes, I'm feeling the best I've ever felt. And this is, I'm, I'm so much better than I was before. And I'm like, all right, we've got better and worse now is this dichotomy. 
if you say that you're better, then that implies that you can be worse rather than I'm just learning. I'm fucking learning and I'm going to I'm going to gain skills over time. There's no right or wrong here. That's a that's the best and worst worst thing about therapy. I like I have a I have a problem with validation and like mm. so I say something to my therapist and I feel really good about it and I'm like looking for that validation yeah, in yeah. the thing that I said and then I don't get it. I'm like, what the fuck? You know, validation's an issue for me. Like, mm. give why me do you think I trained for ten years? I'm like, nah, you're not having it. We just, yeah. <laughs> Brian, uh, I just want to say, Brian, you're doing really good today. In you're doing so well. Thanks, that hat dude. looks yeah, incredible, man. Yeah, 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 yeah really, really well. yeah, guys. Yeah, Brian, are you so wearing? Are you wearing your? Uh, your Invisalign const- consistently because I, I, I can see some changes. There. I just I just took them out now, but just for this recording. But yes, okay. thank you Looks so good. much. I have a partner. Zach, I'm okay. <laughs> Zach, I um, I want to I want to ask what your thoughts are on the and maybe we're opening a huge can of worms here, but. I want to know your thoughts on the term toxic masculinity Mm. and, and, you know, like, um, is that, is that a useful term? Is that a problematic turn term? Is it, is it something that's become, is it something that had good intentions, but then became something, um, somewhat of a problem? Mm. Um, yeah. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? Awesome. Great question. Can of worms. Here we go. So, um, I don't, I don't buy it at all. Um, it's, you know, as, as a scientist, you know, who, who tries to measure masculinity all the time, I don't use that term. I, I, I talk about like rigid or harmful masculine norms, which is the idea that like, as we've discussed before, if you go out and you're misogynistic and you have, you know, seek power over women and, um, you are homophobic and all of these horrible things, which have now been tied up with masculinity. Um, those are really, really harmful for your own well-being and the well-being of humanity. But what it comes down to is that, as, as I've said, the vast majority of masculine norms are going to be really fucking useful in some settings. If you're a firefighter, if you're not stoic as shit when you run into a fire, you're not yeah. going to be able to last. But what we want is that when you come out, you cry your eyes out, you tell them about the cat that died in there, you deal with the trauma, and then you get ready for the next fire. And that's the way to do it rather than coming coming out. And it's, it's a metaphor. The, the fires is putting out fires constantly, and that's what Ooh. men need to be better at rather than I went in, I'm fine, I'm sweet, let's go to the next one. That is mm-hmm. you're going to break down naturally. So toxic masculinity doesn't allow for us to have that conversation about what is useful and what is harmful. It immediately Ooh. goes, you know, masculinity is bad for you and what that does as we've seen is isolate and alienate a huge amount of guys that we really want to access and engage and many of them are fucking assholes i'm not going to deny it i've been on twitter i get death threats all the time i'm like what are you doing we're all striving for the same thing here but Mm -hmm. if i if i don't empathize with their situation and i immediately demonize them as a clinician i'll never see them and um Mm. if, if i don't see them then we end up with a pretty problematic situation where the lives that we're trying to save, we're actually pushing them further away. So we have to find yeah. a way to engage with these guys, call out their bad behaviour while also going, um, what can we do differently here? So toxic masculinity potentially closes down the conversation. Mm. When, when, I, when I, something that, that, that I was thinking, because I was, I was listening to a podcast just the other day, and this was, this was, uh, this was a topic of conversation, toxic, ma- toxic masculinity, the idea of toxic I masculinity. I only listen to this podcast. And stuff. 
<laughs> so, so do I. I just re-listened to my own voice over and over, and, over again. Um, and it was me that was talking about it. <laughs> and, uh, and 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 something that I see a lot in in a lot of men, and that I certainly saw in myself in my teenage in my teenage years, and and definitely in my late teenage years, um, is that that this idea of putting this like term of toxic masculinity, like it's like when you are, when you are trying to attain a version of masculinity that isn't authentic to you, that's bad. Mm. Or because like, because I, because I felt like that was because like you said, you are like flex, masculinity is flexible. It's different depending on who you're with, what your situation is, what the context of your environment is. And you can be flexible and move through different, mm. different aspects of masculinity all the time. And I found that I spent a lot of time, as an adolescent trying to uh, trying to be a version of masculine that I thought somebody else wanted me to be. It's not you though. And uh, yeah, exactly. And I was wearing mm. the mask and, and, and all that metaphorical stuff and, you know, taking the mask off, you start to see like, wow, that was, <laughs> I was, I was an actor. Can't for, I cannot <laughs> breathe. Yeah. And, mm. and it is, and it is, it is, it is smothering. Exactly. Cannot breathe is a, is a great way to put it. Um, like how, <laughs> How do you, cause I just happened to come to it by like dumb luck, fell on my ass into a life where my mom was, was got hardcore into yoga in my teens. I ended up picking that up. That's where Jeremy and I ended up meeting Brian, Brian and Brian got into yoga. Like it was just like a, like a, like a, it just happened that I was all of a sudden open to hearing somebody tell me that I was being inauthentic to myself mm. and 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 decided to make a change but not everybody gets that kick in the ass or um or w- whatever it is like how 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 do we change that conversation in, in terms of like letting people know that you don't have to be the version that somebody the version of you that somebody else wants mm. Mm. and and to piggyback on that Tay, like i think i like how can yeah how how can men support men even though out of the hundreds of thousands of downloads that this podcast gets every month and there's only really there's only like <laughs> 10 other guys that listen to this fucking show <laughs> for, the t- for the 10 guys that clicking. are listening go go go, go, go. That's it. yeah yeah for the 10 Refresh. guys that are listening how how can how can men help how can men support other men how can awesome. men be there to like open this to open that up like what tay went through love it so what we've taken away is that Yoga equals flexible masculinity. That's what yeah. we're taking. Right? It's true. Yeah. <laughs> Sound bite. We're going to go beyond. We're going to go beyond the uh, the physical flexibility to the mental flexibility. Um, but you know, you say that's by chance, but you are ready because I I can sit down with anyone and I can be like, oh, this is not useful for you, and they can be like, fuck off, yeah, because they're not at the point where the, where they're able to understand what is happening to them in many ways, and so. There were so many ingredients that led you there, and thankfully that yeah. that worked out. But um, as Jeremy says, I reckon this is a um, this is a male mentorship situation and role model. Like, look at the news. Who are you seeing that is like a, a positive male role model? We got like mm. Joe Rogan and Jordan Peterson, who were just spewing garbage left, right, and center. And it's like every young I mean, you've guy. Got, you've got the Rock. You've got the. I do. I, I've thought Dwayne about Johnson the Rock. Is actually, the shit, man. I fucking yeah. Love I thought him. about. I I actually have thought about him like five times during this conversation. Yeah. In my head, going, is everything? What a fucking, what a fucking great. What a great role model. Role model. He's what a great example. And he's crying, and he's got his daughter on his lap, yeah. and it's just like yeah. beautiful. It's everything that you could ask for. It's like that that yeah. is what masculinity should be. And so we need yeah. more more role models like that. And we also need men to be willing to push past that discomfort and that awkwardness to mm. just go, hey man, this doesn't seem like it's the best 
way of working. <laughs> what what's happening right now is like you want masculinity means being your best self. It's self betterment. It's striving to be you know better. You know it's it's striving to learn and and grow and adapt and get stronger and you know denying the legitimacy and the reality of your situation and who you really are. That's not that's not brave. That's not courageous. That's just sticking your head in the sand. And so having those conversations and, you know, Movember, we've actually created a, a conversation starter where we give you the words really to have these chats with mates in your life. It's called Movember Conversations. Um, and it really goes to pushing through that, that discomfort and, and saying to the guys in your life, Hey man, something, something's up. I've, I've noticed what's going on and how can we discuss this in a way that makes sense to you in a way that's going to break that down. But as, as we've discussed, there's a time and a place for this stuff. We can't, um, mm. you can't suggest that, oh, he's being stubborn and he's not willing to have this conversation right now when there's 15 people around at a party. It's like, pick your time and place, go for a coffee, go for a beer one-on-one, but yeah. call them out and realize that it's kind of in your best interests and in their best interest to do that. And, um, being, being patient, I guess, with this stuff, because as, mm. as we discussed, there is so many ingredients that add up to the moment where they just go, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, and, and we need to have heaps of role models. We need to go to, you know, fathering camps as well so that we can, we can make sure that we're, we're the positive role models for our, for our kids. And all that takes is going, getting your boy, sitting him down and going, I'm going through this right now and being human with him rather than attempting to be Superman because every dad wants to be Superman for their kid. And then you get to fucking 30 and Jeremy's looking at his dad being like, Oh, that's not how I want to be. That doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. But when you're a kid, yeah. you're like, look, he never cries. He never does anything. That's awesome. How good. Yeah. And then you realize, Oh, and now I have feelings. I don't know what to do with them. We need to upskill yeah. the shit out of every guy out there. That's what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Man, I want to. What I really want to know is how does Movember always just attract the greatest guys ever yeah, to work yeah, for? Yeah, I know. Talk about role models, you know, like like talking to you, Zach, our friend <laughs> yeah. Mitch, you know, like Jesse, like yeah. all, all of the guys that we've met, our 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 fucking manager Jeff, like every male that I've met who has has been a part of that organization in some way has been has been like has been one of the greatest role models i've come across mm-hmm. period in my entire life like you're you're so right about that and Brian. and it's probably not movember that attracts those people it's those people that make movember what it is <laughs> i appreciate yeah. that i mean there's so much there's so much buy there's there seems to be so much buy-in from everybody at mm-hmm. movember like you know there's i mean mm-hmm. it's, i mean which makes sense there's a there's a cause and then there's a lot of people that are like yourself zach who have been you know personally affected by like you know in a mm-hmm. really big way by a lot of the the messaging that mm-hmm. um that uh, Movember's putting out there and the things that they're trying to work on. And, um, and, you know, I think that, I think that attracts a a ton of authenticity, which makes for uh, a lot of success and with great conversation. It's beautiful working for a charity. That's also a cult. You know, it's just, it's, yeah, right, right. it's a facial hair cult. I literally, I don't own my face in two weeks time. I don't own my face. Like my CEO yeah, yeah. has full control of my facial hair, which is hilarious, but I fucking love this stuff, man. It's, it's having these conversations is like the most enriching thing that you can possibly do and walking around and having events, virtual events, left, right and center now where I get to talk about things that matter um, and get to, you know, chat with guys like you and we can see the potential for change 
that's that's everything you know and the, and the moustache is just the beginning really we have we have we've we've funded over like a thousand programs we've raised a billion australian dollars and it just started with a couple guys in a, in a pub being like we should bring back the stash <laughs> so th- <laughs> there's there's a lot to be said for um manpower in shifting the game and realizing that november's been apolitical you know we don't we don't get into the gender relations stuff we don't fight about that shit it's not necessary we are just going to help men live happier healthier lives and um it seems like a pretty pretty easy task it's there's a lot of difficulty underneath it but the messaging is real fucking simple which is just like let's talk let's get this let's get this ball rolling and um i'm i'm very lucky to work with you know the best people in the world and um, you know, the, the Canadian team is just out of control. Dr. Zach Seidler, uh, dude, it's been a fucking honor and pleasure to meet you. And uh, so glad to have you on the show at, to talk about this stuff because it's really important. And um, again, to those 10 males that have been listening to the podcast, uh, we love you. <laughs> and uh, we're here for you. If you ever want to reach out, hit us up. Uh, Zach, uh, I, I, I have a feeling this won't be the last time that we'll, we'll have you on the show. So I, I look forward to the next time we get to cross paths. Thanks, boys. Can't wait. There we go. Uh, that was our little chit chat. And uh, hey, oh, you know, fuck, I forgot to say it beforehand. God damn it. Um, our audio with Zach was all fucky. And so uh, there were like moments where his track just dropped out completely. So if you were listening to that conversation and you were like, oh, that, was a, that was a weird moment where Zach went from one thought to something completely different. Um, that's, that's our bad, um, and, and my bad. Cause I'm the one who edited his audio. So I tried my best, but I, I think, you know, I just tried to make him not sound like a complete fucking psychopath. Um, and I think I did, I think I did an RHA. Okay. I mean, that's all you can ask for. Hey, to be fair, after we finished recording that episode, um, we had problems exporting the track and there was a good chunk of time where we thought we were, we had totally lost that conversation. Yeah, we thought we so lost it. Yeah. the fact yeah, that yeah. it's, uh, we're able to share with people, even if Zach sounded like a little bit psychotic throughout that, <laughs> that conversation, I'm really happy that we got to share that with people. Yeah. Hey, and ultimately, he, yeah. ulti- and ultimately, we will we will undoubtedly have issues uploading this track to the the airwaves for you to hear it. So, like, you should just be fucking thankful that you heard it at all. <laughs> That's right. And uh, if you enjoyed that and uh, want some more of that, uh, go to uh, go follow us on on Instagram or or Twitter or Facebook at Sick Boy Podcast is our handle. Um, we are constantly putting fun stuff up there for you to kind of follow along with what we're up to. Um, and, uh, that's, uh, that's, yep. That's that. That's that. That's all that Jeremy has to say. Well, and you know, that sweet little story that we heard earlier on in the episode that came to us via letters at sickboypodcast.com. So if you've got a fun little story that you want to share with us about what is something we talked about on the show your own personal experience with illness, something that just you love about the healthcare system, something that you hate about the healthcare system, could be anything under the sun. Let us know. Letters at sickboypodcast.com. If you've got comments or you've got um, like grievances, like you want to talk about how um, how frustrated you are um, with Brian's uh, participation in the podcast, uh, then you can go to sickboypodcast.com slash contact. And you do the same thing if you want to apply to be on the show. Sickboypodcast.com 
com slash contact subject brian is driving me crazy if if you feel that way i'm incredibly sorry and as i am probably the only one in this group with emotions and take things really personally i i really 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 genuinely i'm sorry it's fine Um, but you can definitely let me know if i if i upset you um Nope. If if we're lucky, maybe Jeremy, who edits these episodes, Jeremy Saunders, maybe he'll take this part out. But I assume he probably won't because he he uh, he he probably just doesn't want to. And <laughs> it's too um, much work. Unfortunately for you guys, this uh, show is co-produced by me. I'm one of the co-producers, along with Lauren Sankey, Taylor McGilvery, and of course Jeremy Saunders, and uh, our manager who who lets me still be a part of the group, even though he probably shouldn't is Jeff Lonis. And so, uh, I'm thankful for him. You're probably not at this point. And, um, the theme music for today's episode was, was by Rich O'Coin, which is why we can't share these videos on YouTube. Um, because we like apparently don't have the copyright license used for these files, but anyway, uh, it's because Rich's music is so awesome. They're like, there's no way you could possibly have the rights to use this. I'm really uh, sorry yeah. to uh, CBC as well, but uh, uh, I'm sorry that this is the type of content that we're producing for you. That is it for this week. I'm Brian. <laughs> I'm Taylor. <laughs> I'm Lauren. I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.